We're holding towards the end of Parak Laman Ches, Be'ezer Hashem. We'll finish it. We're still talking about the topic of Cherem, the idea of a communal band that can affect you know, other people. And we're going through different stories in Tanakh about where we see the idea of Cherem coming into play. We saw last week the story of Yeshua, in, in the story in Sefer Yeshua, when Ochan illegally took from the booty of Yericho. He violated the cherem, they put him to death. So we saw the story of Pelegish Begiva when the people of Anshe Yavish Gilad didn't come to the communal gathering when they made the big macha against Binyamin when they were put to death. Now we're going to see a little, uh, another story of cherem, which is going to have a little bit of a happier ending, somewhat. Basically, a little bit of a background. This story involves Shaul Amelech in the time of Shaul and the Sefer Basically, what happened was there was a, an ongoing war between Bnei Yisrael and the Plishtim, and the war had sort of resulted in somewhat of a quagmire. It, was, it just kept fighting, and no one was really winning or losing. It just kept going and going and going, and everyone was getting you know disenchanted with the whole thing. And one day, Yehoshua's son, the son of Shaul Melech, decided, you know. Me and my buddies, we're gonna go out and we're gonna we're gonna do another attack, another another raid on the on the people. Ho- hopefully, Hashem will help us and we'll be matzach and something will happen. The they went out in the middle of the night, whatever, and they went to the plishim and Hashem made a nase and the plishim got all scared because they heard different noises and they started scattering about, whatever. And then Shaul Abelach saw that the, the plishim were getting scared and he said, "Oh, now's the time." is with us, we should go attack the Plishtim and, and we'll, we're gonna, we'll be able to defeat them. So Shalom says, okay, we're going to go fight the Plishtim. I want to make, we're going to make a, a Xerah that nobody eats. You know, either, the, I think the before should speak different, different way, different explanations, either because if you, if you don't eat, so you're more focused, right? So you don't get distracted by food, so you're, you're, you're focused on the fighting, or maybe it has to do with like tshuva, like it's like a fast day, they're doing tshuva so that they'll be matzliach. Okay, so that's where we're holding this story. It says the message, You should know about the power of ben Kish. Come and see from the story of Shaul ben Kish. The Melch Shaul. Shehichrim. He made a cherem that the entire nation, from young to old, everyone should fast. Shnema it says in the pasuk, "Cursed is the man who eats bread." Yehoshanasan, his son, did not hear that they had made a communal cherem, a communal ban on eating. and he ate a little bit of honey. And his eyes became like we just started. And his eyes became enlightened. And his eyes became lightened. Meaning, the Medrash says that Yoinusen didn't know that Shoal made a cherem that you're not allowed to eat. And instead he ate a little bit of honey. The other the Yakut Shemoini in the Sefer Shmuel brings down this Pekadabalizer with a little bit more detail. It says he was walking with his walking stick and he came across a honeycomb, Yaris Dvash. Right, that's why you know and Ibishitz, his safer is called Yaris Dvash because of this story, Yaris Dvash. He was walking with his walking he saw some honey, so he took his walking stick and he dipped it in the honey and then he put it next to his mouth and he ate it. And the Radal like points out you know, he Mustafa, he used the top of the walking stick, not the bottom of the walking stick, which is like dirty because it hits the ground. This is the top which is in the air usually, so it's cleaner. 
Al-Qapanim went and he ate from this this honey and his, his eyes became lightened up. His eyes became lightened. Okay, remember the Radal makes the shtigal about that both of his eyes became lightened because uh, if you eat if you eat honey and mine mesika, so it makes your eyes enlightened, it gives you it gives you yeshuvatas in the context of the Gemara and Yuma Pegimel, where, where it's talking about um, eating on Yom Kippur, which the amount that you're not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur is what's called um, yeshuvatas. The amount of food that gives you yeshuvatas, that's why you're not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur. Page Shin Memhe. So 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 so, so Yainasan ate a little bit of the honey and then they went to fight and Shalomel saw that the Plishim were chasing after the Jews, the other and he realized that the Jews had violated the Khair. I don't think it says this explicitly in Psukim that they started losing the battle, but that's what it seems like over here from Pekka the Blazer. Sounds like they were losing the battle, and because they were losing the battle, Shaul realized that Hashem is not with them because they must have done something wrong. So he assumed there was somebody must have violated that cherem that he made that no one's allowed to eat. So now the question is okay, who violated the cherem? We'll take care of him, and then you know, now, now we'll be able to be Batsliach. So the lotion of the, uh, the of the pasuk is that like Shaul said like whoever it is, is gonna, whoever was the one who ate he's going to be put to death even if it was my son Yainusan and like everyone gave like awkward stares and like nobody said anything because it really was his son Yainusan but he didn't know that right when, when he made that you know bombastic statement so Shaul went and he saw the twelve shvatim the twelve tribes. Meaning similar to the story we had last week, where they, I guess, they looked at the choshe and amishpat of the kain gadol, the breastplate, which has twelve gems for each of the tribes, and he saw shikol shevet v'shevet shayyoh each and every shevet that was doing mitzvahs, that was doing what they're supposed to, so its its stone was lit up. And each shevet that wasn't doing it, that had a veras in, it, in its hand, its stone was not lit up. And through that, through that oracle, through that as means, through that, Shaul and Malach was able to figure out that it was the tribe of Binyamin that had violated the chen. Someone from Shevet Binyamin, which of course Shaul himself is from Shevet Binyamin. And he cast lots. Are you looking for the remote control? Didn't, we just have it here. We have it here. Yeah. I'm right on my face. It's fine. And he cast lots. Vanilka, Shol, Vyahinasan. And Shol and Yahinasan were caught in the lots. Meaning it came out that Shol. The, the way it was, it, was, it was broken up. It was like to that, this to Shol's family. Yeah. So it came out of Shoal's family. Yonas and Shoal were caught in the in the lottery that came out that you know it was it was Yonis, and then became apparent to Shoal that Yonasan was the one who violated the Khem because he know he wasn't he didn't violate the, he know himself didn't violate the Khem, so it must have been Yonasan. And Shaul took out his sword in order to kill his son. Shinamar it says, 
he, he said, I'm going to kill the person who did, whoever violated the harem. And if not, you know, Hashem is going to do that to me. Hashem is going to kill me. If I don't carry out what I said, then I'm going to kill the person who, 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 who violated the harem. So in a, in, in a way, the Radal points out that in a way, really Shol sort of cursed himself. That, that, I'm gonna, that I should also be killed, he said. Because if I, if I don't carry out the, the, the punishment against the person who violated the harem, I should, also, I should be killed. Right? And, and the Radal points out that that sword that Shol Amalek took out, that he was going to kill his son Yenison with, that was the sword that Shol Amalek ended up killing himself with. In the end of Sefer Shmuel Aleph, Shol ends up killing himself Right, so it was his own sword that he that, that, that he killed himself with. So that sword that he was gonna go and, and, and use that to kill his son, he ended up killing himself. Fine. So so Shaul was about to go kill his son Yonason. Now, Islam, you have to understand that Yonason was a very interesting character. Yonason was a beloved person. The people, Mamish loved Yonason. He was a very popular figure, right? And it's, it's interesting because Chazal also praised Yonason that you know, he, he was really supposed to be the next king after Shaul, so his son Yonason would take over. But Yonason was so attached to David Amalek, to David, his friend, that he even agreed that David should be king over himself. Why? Because he knew what Because he knew Shmuel's... I'm not sure. And he held by the Navi or for some I'm, other I'm not, I'm not sure if it's because he knew of the Navi or not. But, it, you, but you see that, that in the fight between his father and David, he took David's side. Mm-hmm. So Shaul was like a very... Yenison was a very popular character. So the nation said to Shaul HaMelech, Our master the king, It was a shaygig. It was a mistake. Yenison didn't really mean to eat food on purpose in order to violate the chem that he said no one's supposed to eat. It was a shkaga, it was a mistake. What Don't kill him. What? When did they meet? I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly. It was after he was, what's it called? Um, I mean, they're brothers in law also. Because no, David married his sister. After, after, after the, what's it called? The, Possibly. It's not clear exactly when people knew about um, the Nebuah that David's supposed to be the king. I'm pretty sure it wasn't so it wasn't necess- it wasn't ne- it's not so clear who okay. knew and when so they knew about, about it. Yeah. Everyone knew about it? I don't know. I don't know. About it. I don't know. I'm not sure. Akapan so Shaul was ready to ba- about to go kill his son for violating the harem, and the people said, No, no. Yeah. And the people said, No, no, don't kill him. He, it was a mistake. He didn't. He, he wasn't trying to violate the harem. The Allah of korban and they brought on his behalf a korban Allah. Ashkigosai, because of this shaygig that that Yehonasan did, and they davened for for Yehonasan, and they redeemed him from death. And the nation redeemed Yehonasan, and he didn't. They didn't kill him. He didn't die. So here is like a sort of happy end to the story. There was someone who violated a cherem, right? And and they were going to kill him. And in the end, instead of killing him, they didn't kill him. In the end. 
what did they do? According to the Medrash over here, they brought, instead, they brought a Kurban Oilo. Because they said, no, he wasn't, he didn't really violate the Kherm, it was Rishayig, so he bring a Kurban Oilo. Now, Rav Chaim Falaji asked a, you know, I think it's a shtick, obvious question. He says, what do you mean? The, uh, uh, for, uh, for first term, yeah. Rav Chaim Falaji asked, what do you mean? We don't find anywhere in the Torah that you bring a Kurban Oilo when you do a Shayig. What? When do you bring a Kurban Chatas? A Kurban Chatas is if you do an Aver, one of the 36 Averas, that if you did it on purpose, you get Kares, the first mission of Christus, so if you do it Bishagig by mistake, so then you bring a Kurban Chatas. Right? But when do you bring a Kurban Oilo? You don't bring an Oilo for doing a Shagig. You bring a Kurban Oilo, an Oilo is a Doroin, it's a special present to Hashem. It's, you do it of your own volition, or you do it voluntarily. So what, what's the idea of the... Uh, is that chatas eaten by people? What? Chatas is eaten by a kain, yeah. Oh, by the kain. The oil is completely burnt. To find, to, to, find a, uh, to find a similarity between the oil that's not eaten. No. And, uh, and the chatas is eaten by the There is a type of chatas that's not eaten. There are types of chatas that aren't eaten, eaten, but yeah. So the Chaim Balaji says like this, we do find a different idea that Oila is mechaper on, I mean there's a Gemara that says that Oila is mechaper on Bittul um, Mitzvah's essay, failing to fulfill a positive commandment, so you bring an Oila for that. You're not obligated to bring it, you could bring it if you want. The Gemara in Zvachan, Evolve, Zion, something like that. There's a Targum Yenusan, and also I think it's a, the Medrash says that uh, you bring an Oila to be mechaper on Hirhure Avera. Thoughts of sin. So Chaim Falachi wants to say that over here it was a shaygig that was it was a mistake, but it wasn't it, it wasn't like a, a reg, like a regular like oh he made a mistake. It, it was the type of mistake that's closer to like mamasha oynis. Like he didn't he mamasha didn't know about it. Like why should you expect him to to, to think that they made a gzeir that you're not allowed to eat? So like what was like what was the havamin of like, It's not called a shaygig. It's even it, it's even a lower. It's over, even a lower degree than Shaykh again, Masasik or something like that. So Rav Chaim Palazzi says, so I, I, they treated it at best as like Hirhuri Avera, like thoughts of Avera, fleeting thoughts of doing an Avera. So for that, they brought the carbon oil. But that, but at them, that he was Chay of a carbon oil. We don't find that you're Chay of a carbon oil in, in, for doing any Shaykh. Okay, the Ramban wants to say that, that, that it's, it's like an oil because he should have realized. That nobody else was eating, so why are you eating? Okay, I don't know how much of a sign that is. There's a Ramban and Mishpita Yachir. You should have realized that no one else was eating. So that's why it's called a Shaykhik. I don't know. Right, so the Ramban, the Ramban in, the, in, the, in his Kuntras Mishpita Yachir, again, he, so he, he also discusses this story. And he brings down again that, you know, this was a Kherim that the king was able to impose upon the masses that you're not allowed to eat on this on such and th- during this battle or whatever and then he asks okay so how come in the end of the day when Yenison ate so they didn't put him to death so he brings two answers the second answer is what our measure says oh they said the people said oh he's shaking so he's okay so the only only bemazed would, would he be put to death and not a shaking for violating the harem yeah so the other Peshat the Ramban says is that a, a, a Chiddush, a Chiddush in the Halacha of Kherim. So that when you make a Kherim, when the people, the, let's say the Melech or the Sanhedrin makes a Kherim, so the same person that made the Kherim, he could be Moichel the Kherim. So if I say, okay, nobody is allowed to eat such and such, and then someone violates it and he eats it, so I could say, okay, you, yeah, it's okay, I'll let you eat it, or whatever, something like that. 
I could, for, you know, forego forego the the authority of putting a cherem on you, and then that'll potter you from from getting punished. So over here, it's not clear exactly how he, how he explains it. It could be over here. What happened is that Sholemelch made the cherem, and the, I think maybe he would understand that the whole power of a king to make a cherem only comes from the fact that he's. Uh, Represents the consensus of the people. Right? A, a king represents the consensus of the people, and then the people said, "No, don't kill Yerusha. We're Michael. So then they, they didn't put him to death. That's what it seems like. From if you want to put together what Ramban is saying with what our Medrash is saying, that it's coming from the people. But maybe you want to you, you would say that because it, it, it certainly doesn't sound like it's coming from Shol, because Shol was ready to kill him, right? Was it only Chayev? Because he was over on the harem, or because Shaul, Shaul made up almost said had a shvua that he would that's what it seems like. So Shaul didn't have to say anything. Right. That I will kill whoever was over That didn't matter at all. It could be it's also implicit in the cherem because if it's a cherem that the king says, so the punishment for violating what the king says is married by Malchus, you could be put to death. Actually, it's interesting now that you're mentioning it. Samazite. The Rambam writes that the punishment for married by Malchus is that the king can kill you, but only with scythe, only by killing him with a sword. And there's a kasha they asked on the Rambam that where does the Rambam get this from? That it's only with the sword, like If the king could put you to death, so like it's a dinner, the king could put you to death however he wants. Why is it only with scythe? So I'm just thinking now that like we 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 have the story over here. What was the story? The story is that Sholem pulled out his sword. He was ready to kill him. So the only, like, I don't know, the only, but like, the, the, this source over here, you see like, sort of like the Rambam, that he was ready to kill him Dafka with the sword. Yeah, it's not a source, that it's only with the sword, but... Okay, so that's the first story, the story of Shol and Yenison. Now, the second story about Cherem, for tonight. It says the Medish. Was, it, was, it, was still, What? The Cherem, like, two, two weeks ago, we were talking about the Cherem. Uh, on, uh, or, right. Uh, so from that we went on a tangent about cherems in general, different stories of uh, cherems. Yeah. Hakusim, the kusim, the kusians, They're not considered. This is sort of a background to the to the story of the cherem, which is going to be a little bit later. Yeah, the kusim are not considered. They're not considered a nation from amongst the seventy nations. Like we spoke about in Perkhof Dalad, that by the door of Palaga, so Hashem split the world into 70 nations, right? So there's like 70 different nations. So the Kusim are not one of those 70 nations. Rather, the Kusim are something else. We're going to give you now the background of who are the Kusim. Rather, they're a conglomerate of five other nations that were Chashuv to, uh, to the king, meaning the king of Ashur. It says in the Pasuk, Basically, the story goes that in, the, in Sefer Malachim Bey's 
Parak Yud Zayin, it talks about how the king of Ashur came and defeated Machus Yisrael, the northern kingdom of Eretz, in Eretz Yisrael, Machus Yisrael, and took the ten tribes into Golos and displaced them and replaced them with people from all kinds of other nations, mostly from, uh, mostly from Mesopotamia, from like you know Bavel that area, Bavel Ashur that area over there between the. Tigris and the Euphrates River. So oh, I didn't bring my map with me. So, so the so the Mishnah, the the pasuk over there brings about five different nations that he brought in to replace the people that lived in Machus Yisrael. He added another four besides those five. We call him Tisha Goyim him, and altogether there were different nine different nations. Shinemar Dinavar Frachasia, etc. All these different nations. Ah, I forgot to read it like this. The girsa of the Radal, which I think makes more sense, was Hakusim Ashur that the king of Ashur had captured. I don't know why it says Goyim Chashuvim Lamelech. It makes more sense. It says Shishava Melech Ashur. Shinamar that brings the the psukim. When Bnei Yisrael, the, the people, the Jews in the Machus Yisrael were exiled from their place in Shomron. Shomron was the capital of Machus Yisrael. It was originally built by Omri, the father of Achav. It's in the Shevet Binyamin. We have Yehuda in the Shomron, the West Bank. So that's that area. Not in Binyamin, in Ephraim, sorry. Shalach HaMelech Es Avodav so the king of Ashur sent these servants to put these people, these people from these five or nine different nations there in the Shamron so that he could be able to, cl- to collect taxes from them. A Psukim report in Malachim Beis over there, Psukim report that these five nations or nine nations or whatever, when they came from their hometowns to live in Shamron in Eretz Yisrael, so they brought with them their own personal, their own national Avedazaras. Each nation brought their own Avedazaras and they continued worshipping their own Avedazaras. The Gemara in Sanhedrin Dachsamachimulamid Beis explains to us what, what were these Avedazaras. The Gemara says like this Anche Bavel Asu Esukais Binais. The people from Bavel that Ashur brought in, so they made their Avedazar called Sukas Binais. The Gemara says, What, are, what is that? Tanagailis. It's a chicken, uh, a hen. People of Kus, the people from the city Kus, they made their Avedazar called Nergal. Kus is like, I guess, for some reason the, the Gemara always assumes that, or it's a, for some reason that's the assumption, that the people of Kus were the main people of these five nations. That's why they're called, collectively they're called Kusim, even though Kus is only one of those five names. The people of Kus made an Avedazar called Nergal, which we actually know that Nergal is the name of the Babylonian god of the underworld. We know that from archaeology, or whatever. But the Gemara says, what's Nergal? It's a Tarnagal, which is a chicken. There's a Yushalmi. I mentioned this a few weeks, uh, probably a few months ago now. The Yushalmi says that what's Nergal? Nergal is a form of the foot of Yaakov Avinu. They worship the foot of Yaakov Avinu because they believe that that could bring them bracha. I don't know if you remember that I mentioned that. The Anshei Chamas, the people of Chamas made an Avedazar called Ashima. Well, what's Hamas? Hamas could be is a city in Syria called Homs. If you heard, of, if you follow the news, it's sometimes in the news. Ashima. They made their avodah called Ashima. What's Ashima? The Gemara says it's a bald goat. 
there's a very interesting thing. The, the Ibn Ezra, in his introduction to Megillus, in his commentary to Megillus Esther, in the introduction, so he writes about the Kusim, that the Kusim took a Sefer Torah, and they erased every time it says Hashem's name, and instead of saying Yud Kevodke, they wrote the name Ashima. Because they worshipped, because the Kusim worshipped the Avedazar. We'll speak about it in, in a few minutes. We'll see that the Kusim were of the Avedazar. So they, they erased Hashem's name, and they wrote Ashima. So I was reading one of these one of these articles written by um, contemporary Kusi Samaritan uh, scholars, and they said that no, 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 that that's not really what happened. Really, what happened is that like you know, just like the Jews, they don't refer to Hashem as Yudke Vavke. We refer to him as Hashem, the name, right? So the Kusim, who basically spoke like Aramaic, so they called Hashem like Shma, which means the name, the same idea. So, for, because of that came the rumor that because they referred to Hashem as Shema, the name, so because of that came the rumor that they, they, they re- replaced Hashem's name with the word Ashima, which is similar to like the word of the name in Aramaic. Well, other, maybe, yeah, maybe no, I don't know. Doesn't sound so, so good. The, the next nation, the Avim, made two Ovedazars called Nivchan or Nivchaz and Tartak, which the Gemara says those are a dog and a donkey. And the. From the t- yeah, just to uh, the explain that that's the name. They're apologetics. No, yeah. Like, uh, whatever, so I have to translate the whole Torah because I didn't know. <coughs> no, because, because, because it was written in, in uh, Lashon HaKodesh and I had to translate it into the Aramaic. Yeah. So I have to, 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 do, to, to, to have a word. Yeah. Hasparvim, right, so then we had uh, the, the yeah. Avim made Nivchan and Tartak, which are a dog and a donkey. Sparvim, they made, they worshipped, they, they burnt their sons in fire in honor of Adra Melach and Ana Melach, which Gemara says is a mule and a, and a horse. Like a, an Avedazar in the form of a mule and a horse. So Gemara brings different, there's other explanations also, different Rishen and whatever, but that's more or less, these are the five different nations that came in. And they, and they, what? Animals. No. Yeah, that's what it seems. So they came there to Israel. They, they they were resettled in the area of Malchus Yisrael, and they were continuing to worship their Avodah So Hashem sent them a punishment. Hashem sent upon them lions. This is explicit in the Pesukim. And the lions were killing these people. The lions came and started started killing these people or whatever. Shalchu v'amru. The reason, of course, the reason behind it is because Eretz Yisrael is a, is a special holy land, and the holy land cannot tolerate such abhorrent acts as Avodah Zara, abominable things like Avodah Zara. So, so the so the land itself, the the Teva of Eretz Yisrael was trying to like get rid of these people from within its midst. I think it's the Kuzri who points out that in Malchus Yisrael, the Jews that were there beforehand, we don't find that lions came and attacked them. Because even though the the the, the psukim seem to criticize them for doing avodah zarah, it could be some of those criticisms are somewhat exaggerated. Just that we have higher expectations of Jews or whatever. But it wasn't that it was it wasn't like as bad as what these people are doing. So like lions didn't come and attack them. Okay, well the they got kicked out of their land, which could be as worse than lions attacking them. I don't know. So these people went and they sent to the king of Bavel. I'm not sure why they sent to the king of Bavel. Maybe they should have sent to the king of Asher, but maybe that's what it means. 
to the king. The land to which you have sent us upon, it's not receiving us properly. Because only a little bit of us have remained, because we're getting killed out by these lions. So the king didn't know what to do. The, the king sent forth and he called all the elders of Bnei Yisrael. And he said to them, All these years that you lived on your land, the, uh, the wild animals of the field did not, uh, make, did not kill your children. And now the land is not receiving these new inhabitants. What's up with that? What are we supposed to do? Amrulai, what, what, what can you advise us? He asked the Jewish elders. Amrulai, <coughs> they said to him, Davar shal a matter of advice. Ula yashiv isam This is two gear stories over here. Ula yashiv isam Maybe he will return them to their land. Meaning, the, the Jewish Zikne Yisrael are going to give advice to the king of Bavel or Oshur because they think that he's not going to want to follow this advice and instead of following this advice he's going to rather return them to their land and then you know maybe be able to take come back or maybe the the, the other girsa is ulai yashiv isanu maybe he'll return us I mean maybe if we give him good advice so he'll like us so much and he'll let us go back to Eretz Yisrael two different girsa is exactly what what was their rationale for giving this advice they said our master the king that land, the land of Eretz Yisrael, cannot receive a nation which is not uh, circumcised. Or another guess does not receive them in his land if they're uncircumcised. So you have to circumcise them. So the king said to them, so fine, so give me two of your two of your people, two of the Chachme Zikne Yisrael, and they will go and they'll circumcise these Gaim that were put into Eretz Yisrael, and they'll teach them Sefer Torah, and then the land will be able to, to keep to to hold these these Kusim, these these five nations. And there's no arguing with what the king says. Go and do it. Uh, it's an interesting thing. The Radal points out that if you look in the Lashon of the Psukim. So in the Psukim it says that they said we should send Echad HaKoyhanim, one of the Koyhanim. So what does that mean, Echad HaKoyhanim? Here we're saying, we're saying that there's two people, and the Medrash is going to say, who were these two people exactly? But it says two people in the Medrash, and the Pasuk says one person. So Radal says maybe he'll say that one was a Koyin, Echad HaKoyhanim, one was a Koyin, and one was like a Yisrael who was like supporting him. Or one was like the main teacher, and the other one was like was like a, a substitute in case something would happen to the first one or something like that. Fine. Agav, what was I going to say over here? Um. Oh, the Barbanel on the Psukim over there, he learns the Psukim, he learns it differently. The Echad HaKoyhanim doesn't mean like one of the Zikne Yisrael or like a Talmud or whatever. Echad HaKoyhanim means one of the original priests of Avaita Zara that lived in Malchus Yisrael beforehand. So he's just teaching them to do a different type of Avaita Zara. Not that he's teaching them actual Torah. Not like this matter over here. Fine. So who are these two people? B'Shalchel Rabbi... 
What? That is the Parmenon. I think Malbim also says it over there. So who are these two people? They sent Rabbi Dustai and Rabbi Zechariah, and these two people um, circumcised those goyim. And they taught the, these kusim the sefer Torah. They taught them the Torah chumash, at least maybe in Ksav Trikun, which the Radal says is Ksav Ivri. I spoke about that in my book in Appendix A. And they were crying as they were doing this because they realized that like we're educating these kusim about Yiddishkeit, but really these kusim are going to make a lot of trouble for Bnei Yisrael in the future. They're going to claim to be the real Jews, etc. And it's Mamish going to make tzaras in the future. But that's what they were doing. There's an interesting ha'ar over here. The Radal points this out. I also saw that in Seder Adaris, in Chilak Bey's Erech, Rabbi Dustoy, he also points this out. What were the names of the two people? Rabbi Dustoy and Rabbi Zechariah. Right? Or the Medrash Tanchumo that the Radal brings says Rabbi Dustoy, Rabbi Yanai, and Rabbi Sabia. Right? The Nakuda the, the is that the name of the names of these people is Rabbi. Now, let's, 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 let's see if we can figure this out. When is the first time in history that the term Rebbe is used to describe somebody? Who is the first person called Rebbe? No, Rebbe, you, oh, um, he was per, called Rebbe like Stam Rebbe. But I'm talking about the, he, Rebbe as a, as a title. Rebbe Eliezer, fine. Who is Rebbe Eliezer's Rebbe? Rebbe Yochanan ben Zakkai. Fine. Okay, who was Rabbi Yechim and Zakkai's Rabbi? No, 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 no. Who was his Rabbi? Hillel. Hillel and Shammai. Right? Uh, who was Before... They've been Hillel and Shammai, okay. Hillel and Shammai weren't called Rabbi, right? No, they weren't. So Rabbi Yechim and Zakkai was the first person who was called Rabbi, right? What about the other Talmudim? What? What about the other Hillel's Talmudim? Who? Hillel? Yeah, no. Oh, Hillel's Talmudim? Who were Hillel's Talmudim? Yonis and Benazil? Yonis and Benazil is not called Rabbi. I know. Yeah. There's another, uh, a few other guys, we just don't know about them, just like the, 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 the top one. Yeah, the top one, and the uh, guy was the, was the, Shrach as well, that's the Gemara says, yeah. Says. You could repeat it, the Gemara says. Gemara says yeah, Hillel had 80 yeah, Talmudim and yeah. Rabbi Yechon and was the Shrach as one, and Yen Samin was the, was the top one. Well, Tainus also. Yeah. So the, the first time that the, the term Rebbe is used to describe somebody is in the time of Rabbi Yechon ben Zakkai. Now Rabbi Yechon ben Zakkai, as we know from the Gemara's of Tisha B'Av Gitin, he lived at the time of the destruction of the second base of Megdash. Now, we're talking about something that happened about a thousand years earlier. I don't know, a thousand years earlier, but a long time, close to 800 years earlier. Because right? this, is, this is like in the middle of Bayes Rishon. No, nobody. I, that, that I, I don't know of anyone. Yeshua referring to Not in, not, ex, not for sure, not explicitly in in, in Tanakh. I'm pretty sure. This, 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 the Seder Deris points out this thing that like it's funny that the Medrash calls them Rebbe Dustoy and Rebbe Zachariah, but like the term Rebbe is sort of anachronistic over here because it didn't come in play yet. Or opposite of an- it's, why? Well. Be- because they're called Rabbi Dustay and Rabbi Zechariah, but the term Rabbi didn't exist yet. Are 
These are the people that taught the Kusim Torah. And oh. this is talking about even before the first place of was destroyed. This is by the exile of the ten tribes. Right, interesting. So they, it's also they, weren't, they weren't ready like Rabbi Yochan right? They were around in the Ram. Yeshiva and they were sent. They weren't the greatest of the generation. They were the I don't know. Go teach. You said that. I didn't so say they that. Were, they're called Rebbe's at that time. That's you, what a Rebbe was at that time. You said that. I didn't there say are that. They're today. I hear. But they're not like Rebbe of Hanan That has a Shem <laughs> Neighbor, or they had probably had Rebbe's teaching in their. In their yeshiva. <laughs> Did they get paid? <laughs> not well. <laughs> not well. That's, that's old Minig. <laughs> Akaponim, so this editor there points out this question. You get emails from the Rebbe's, you know, or somebody else trying to get money from the Rebbe. Okay. It's also, I, I mean, I, I, it could be this is just like my my problem. I don't know if anyone else is bothered by this, but Dustoy, if I'm, not, I'm pretty sure, is like a Greek name. It doesn't sound. Dustoy is. Yeah. So, so it's like it's, it's like a name that like sort of like came into use like later that's being projected on something that happened earlier. Okay, I don't know. If it's a Kabbalah, it's a Kabbalah. You know, tradition is tradition. Especially if his name is Rabbi Dustoy Yanai, like the Tanchuma. It's like Yanai is for sure. It's a Greek name. It's Mamish. It's possibly even named after the same Greek god that the month of January or June is named after. Yanai, June, January. I don't know. And these five nations, they went in the statutes of the Torah and in the statutes of their gods. Hashem, they would fear. But their gods, they would worship. So they were still con- continuing their idolatry. When Ezra, Zerubbabel, and Yeshua ben Tzadok, who was the king Gadol, came up from Babel, and they began to build the second base of Migdash, etc. The Shemrinim came to fight against the Bnei Yisrael who were coming up from Babel back to Eretz Yisrael to rebuild the base of Migdash. A um, hundred and eighty thousand Shomronim came to fight Bnei Yisrael. They're called Shomronim by the Medrash. V'chi Shomronim hayu? Were they really Shomronim? V'halei Kusim hayu? Weren't they really Kusim? Because that's really their place of origin. They came from Kuso and whatever other cities. Bavel and Kuso and Avim and Saparvim and whatever the other places we said. Why are they called Shemrainim? El Hashem Ha'ir Shamran Nikru Shemrainim. Rather, they're called Shamranim because they lived, they were resettled in this, or in the city or around the city of Shamran. That's why they're called Shamranim. Or in English, they're called Samaritans. You know, the, 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 you know, the, in the New Testament, they talk about the Good Samaritan. So we always talk about the Bad Samaritan. Yeah, that's the, the Bad that's Samaritan. Just talking, thinking about it because there's a, there's a road. From Jerusalem to the Dead Sea. Right, so there's and a hotel have, called the Good Samaritan. You have a spot there, whatever, I think it's an archaeological... But it's a hotel, it's a hotel. hotel? Yeah. I, I didn't know what it was. It, was just a, it says Good sign. Samaritan. It says Good Samaritan, and then there's a, probably a, what, what's it called, a, what the, the cross? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it's a, something like that. It's a Good Samaritan? You're talking about the Bell Bunch. Yeah. Man, I didn't know what it was a hotel. I didn't know. 
I'll call upon him. Yeah. So, so, so these good, quote unquote good Samaritans, they came, they came to fight the Jews who were coming up from, to rebuild the base of Mikdash. Come and let's gather together in the, in the, in the villages. They came, they wanted to go kill Nechemia. Nechemia was the leader of Yerushalayim. So yeah, they were very good because they wanted to kill Nechemia, right? Good, good Samaritans, bad Samaritans. And also, they, they stopped the Malachas Shemayim, the work of the heaven, meaning the construction of the base of Mikdash, they stopped it for two years. Right? They sent a letter to Achashverosh that the, the Jews are planning to rebel or whatever, and because of that, Achashverosh stopped the construction of the base of Mikdash for two years. And it was until the year of the Yoivel that they weren't able to continue building the base of Mikdash. The Red Dal says it's a mistake, because we, there's a Gemara that says, the Gemara says that um, okay, whatever. The Radal says it's a mistake. It can't be. It can't be that the base of English was finished being built in the year of the Yovel. You see the Cheshbon over there in Ois Kuf Samech in the Radal. Fine. So, they, so they, these Kusim are making trouble. Me'asa Ezra Zerubavel ben Sheltiel Yeshua ben Yitzadik. So what did Ezra Zerubavel and Yeshua ben Yitzadik do? To counter the efforts of the Kusim. They gathered the whole nation into the Heichal Hashem, the sanctuary of Hashem. Possibly it means the base of Mikdash. And they took 300 Kohanim, and 300 children, and 300 Shafers, and 300 Sifritera in their hands. And they blew the Shafers. And the Leviim were singing and playing musical instruments. And they excommunicated the, the Kusim with the secret of the name of the ineffable name of Hashem. And with the writing that's written on the Luchis. And with a cherem of the basin, a elyon of a cherem basin, a tachtain, with an excommunication from the basin, a elyon, meaning in Shemayim, and the basin, a tachtain, the earthly basin, and they said, that a Jew from Yisrael should not eat the bread of a kusi forever. From here we say that anyone who eats the bread of a kusi, it's kilu. It's as if he ate the meat of a pig, pig meat. And the Bible says it's lav tafka mamish, as if you ate pig meat, because like if you eat from pigs, so you're chayiv, you get malchus, because it's a daraisa. Here you don't get malchus, you get malchus mardus, which is a different targa. It's also lashes, but it's it's, it's a more lenient type of lashes, whatever. So you you, you you get punished, but it's not mamish, the exact same thing. But the point is that just like eating basar chazir is also, so so these rabbanim they made a cherem together, a communal cherem that eating from a paskusi is also also. And they made a takana that an Adam Kusi, a person who is a Samaritan, cannot become a ger. Interestingly, in Mesachas Kusim, which is one of the Mesachas Katanas, printed in the back of Mesachas of Zara, it says it talks about when you could be Megayer Kusi. What exactly does he have to repudiate? What, what, what tenets of Kusiism does he have to reject in order for us to be able to be Makabalan? Okay, also, the Bible mentions that 
There's a there's a tesis in Chulin. The tesis in Chulin brings this 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 uh this medrash over here to tell you that Paskusi is Osir. So the Baisagadal asks, so why doesn't he bring a, an explicit Mishnah? The Mishnah Mesach Shvis Perches Mishnah Yud says that you're not allowed to eat Paskusi. So he says it could be that you might misunderstand the the shot in the Mishnah over there like the Rash did. The Rash is one of the main commentaries on the Mishnah Sinzra, and the Rash said that the reason why you're not allowed to eat bread of a kusi is because they don't give meiser. Here the Medish is saying something stronger, that's why Tesis brings Dafka this Medish. Not because they don't give meiser, because there's a special gzera, Dafka against kusim that you're not allowed to eat their bread. And the Yomara says that they, they used to, to leverage meiser for themselves because they believe that whatever they eat, they have to, to leverage Right, and then they believe that there's no iser of, yeah, of lefnei yiver. No, no, no. If, 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 if it's sound to you, yeah. So buy it. We're really talking about wine there. Yeah. And there's, well, a, there's no zero to to wine. Could they until or mayor? Oh, so that, that, that's that's no, going to be zero. that's the next step after this marriage. The kusim don't have a portion in tchesamesim. You don't have a portion in building a house for Hashem. Not in this world. Not in the next world. And furthermore, that a kusim are not allowed to have a chelak portion or inheritance in Yerushalayim. And for you, there's no portion or charity in or remembrance in Yerushalayim. So you, I guess you're not allowed to sell a kusi any property in Yerushalayim. And they sent this, the nus, I guess the, the exact nusach the exact wording of the cherem to the Jews in Babel, and they added, I guess the Jews in Babel maybe, added more cherem onto this, and the king Kerish, who was good to the Jews, at least at some point, was good to the Jews, he let them build the base of he agreed to the cherem, so he's, he agrees to this cherem, um, and takes out the kusim. That's, that's this day. So you see, you see over here that they made in the time of, in the time of before Chazal, in the time of the beginning of the second base of English, they made a cherem against the kusim. This is stamachem. They're not allowed to eat past kusim. As Rabbi Epstein mentioned, later on, they made another cherem against the kusim that you're not allowed to drink the wine of a kusim. Why? Because we assume that kusim are oivdevay de zara. It's a Gemara in Masechus Chulin that they went and they saw that the Kusim do their worship on the top of Har Grizim and they found Demus Yoyna on Har Grizim the, Chazal, the Chachamim found that there was an image of a, of a dove on top of Har Grizim and that's what the Kusim were worshipping so because of that they made a Gzera against the Kusim Reb Meir made this Gzera and the Gemara, at least Rashi understands that Rabbi Meir is only the Shittasa because Rabbi Meir is Be'echish Lemiyuta he's He's chayshish for a minority. So even though maybe it was only a minority of the kusim that worshipped this uh, form of a dove, but they made, they still made this kzera because we were chayshish that every person from who's a kusim maybe he's from that minority, even though the majority didn't necessarily follow this cult. But then the Gemara says that later on, in the time of Asi, then they really made a kzera against the kusim and they said that the kusim are not, uh, they they halachically lose their status of being Jews b'chal. They made such a kzera, a strong kzera, and it was accepted by Klal Yisrael, and the kusim were completely taken out of the picture. That's the, the Gemara in Chulun, Davvav, Davzayin, something like that. And there's an interesting thing over there that Taisus on, on, in Chulun, Davzayin, it's also a Das Tikenim in Parshas Vayishlach, it says 
that before Yaakov you know, came to Eretz so he said to the people that were with him, he said, Hasiru take, remove from yourselves all the foreign gods that you have with you. The Mepharshim explained that when Yaakov Vinu's sons defeated the city of Shechem, so they took for the spoils, they took all kinds of different uh, pieces of like avoided idols or whatever from avoided Zara. Possibly like they want to melt down the metals to use it for other things or whatever. But Yaakov Vinu said, no, we're going we're gonna to be machmer and we're going to get rid of all this stuff and we're going to bury it. Right? And it says that they buried it. They buried it under a tree that was like next to Shechem. They, that's where they buried all these avoided Zaras. So, Taisus, both in Chulin and the Dasakanim, which is also from Taisus, on that parsha, they say, there's a Medrash that says that that Avaita Zara that Yaakov Vinu buried came back to haunt him because that was the Avaita Zara that the Kuzim started worshipping. That was the, over there, Har Grizim is right next to Shechem. That was the Avaita Zara that the people, the, the, these Kuzim that we're talking about here, started worshipping. And then they, these people, these Kuzim made trouble for Claudius Ola in future generations. Okay. Shkoyach. Shkoyach.